The Hells Angels are one of the biggest clubs in the world with a membership of over 3,467 charters in 59 countries. The organization started in 1948 with various smaller clubs merging Uh, in the United States. Now, various police and international intelligence agencies have called them an organized crime syndicate. Now, today in the Vancouver Sun, reporter Kim Bolin has an excellent article called Hells Angels at 40 Criminal Convictions and Clubhouse Seizures Mark the Biker's Celebratory celebratory Year in B.C. Now, I highly recommend you check out that story. It's a great read. Uh, Ms. Bolin does a great job painting a picture of the Hells Angels in B.C. and where they stand after many years of fighting civil forfeiture of their properties and investigations of their members. Uh, Kim Boland joins us now. Kim, thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, really enjoyed the article. I'm glad you wrote it, uh, and and we and it's uh, it's I think it's a great benefit to, to for all of us here in British Columbia in regards to where the Hell's Angels are, and and sort of the work the police have been doing as well. How would you describe the Hell's Angels today as an organization? Are they weakened with this greater onslaught, it would appear, from law enforcement? Are they a weakened club, or are they still sort of a top of the pecking order here in Vancouver? Well, I think it's a bit of both, quite honestly. I mean, I don't think they were thrilled to lose this uh, ruling in the Court of Appeal uh, where they had to turn their clubhouses, three of their clubhouses, over to the B.C. government. That ruling came down February 15th. It was a complete reversal of what the B.C. Supreme Court found in June 2020, uh, which went totally against the director of civil forfeiture and said, look, you know, this you tried to prove they're an international criminal organization. You failed. So what if a few members have criminal convictions? So what if the clubhouses are all fortified with cameras and all kinds of measures to stop people from looking in or getting in? It doesn't mean uh, that they are criminals and should have to turn these clubhouses over. So that ruling, you know, went like 180 um, last month. And as a result, the government has now seized three clubhouses of the organization. So that's definitely a big hit for them. However, as my story said, they are still at the top of the heap, if you will, and they have more members in their program than ever before, up into the 130-plus mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think, uh, can this case go now to the Canadian Supreme Court? Well, they haven't filed yet. I check every day. Uh, You know, I do believe that they, at this point, plan to seek leave. They have until April 17th. It's a 60-day time limit after the ruling comes down at the Court of Appeal level. Uh, So I have been told that that is the plan right now. But some people think that it could be worse for them if they do try to seek leave because, you know, you're almost cementing the ruling if it becomes the ruling of the Supreme Court of Canada and it goes against them. So we'll wait and see. Uh, certainly, this court case has gone on for almost 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that they would take it as far as they can take it, especially when they're on the losing end right now. Um has there been, uh, certainly my perception is uh, heading in that direction, I'm looking in that direction, is that there's been a greater uh, um, uh, focus by law enforcement on this particular organization over the last 15 to 20 years. How would you grade that? I mean, have they, beyond the seizures, which I think is obviously be viewed as a win, but overall, have police been successful in thwarting some of what this group does? Certainly there have been a lot of convictions of members of the Hells Angels, up to and including conspiracy to commit murder. Larry Amaro of the West Point chapter was convicted last 
August of conspiracy to commit two different murders. He's still awaiting sentencing. Uh, We had two Hells Angels convicted of manslaughter for beating to death a grandfather in Kelowna a few years back. And then there are a whole bunch of trafficking, conspiracy to traffic, and conspiracy to import uh, cocaine and other drugs. So on that front, there have been a lot of successful prosecutions in recent years. However, the big one, getting a court in BC to declare that the Hells Angels is a criminal organization here, that has not happened despite there being several attempts uh, to have that case made. Mm -hmm. Um, In regards to other organized crime groups, uh, I think of Asian organized crime groups, there's many other groups based on ethnicity. Um, You have, uh, you know, Mexican cartels, all of that. Um, How do the Hells Angels, broadly speaking, remain top of the heap after all of uh, the, one would assume, uh, many other transnational organized groups wanting to uh, have a footprint here in, in British Columbia and in Vancouver. You have significant more uh, police presence and law enforcement watching uh, Hells Angels. How are they able to uh, survive uh, and maybe thrive isn't the right word, but at the very least remain where they are? Well, they work with other criminal organizations. I mean, we've seen cases where some members of the Hells Angels have links to cartels, some have links to Asian organized crime. Uh, Certainly those involved at the highest echelons of organized crime, you know, they're good entrepreneurs. Uh, They need product internationally. They do their best to get that product internationally. And that means working with other organizations when need be. Uh, The other thing that they have done uh, that police says has made them very successful is they have a whole network of uh, lower-level gangs, if you will, uh, which they call support clubs. Some people call them puppet clubs. And uh, that sort of spreads their influence further around the province. And uh, these uh, other clubs, they ride motorcycles, they kind of mimic the structure of the Hells Angels. They have chapters, some of them have clubhouses, and uh, they're what the police call a farm team uh, for the Hells Angels. So they recruit new members through them and they work with them around the province. Mm -hmm. Uh, These puppet clubs, I mean, is there a conscious effort to... uh have the tentacles of this organization directly or indirectly throughout this province? I mean, there's a lot of smaller communities, you know, when I think of where I grew up in Williams Lake and many of the lumber towns, less sawmills, sometimes there's folks who obviously uh, hit hard times because the traditional sawmill job may be gone, the natural resource job is gone. There is a greater use of drugs at times, fentanyl, alcohol, whatever it may be. Is there a greater desire for these organizations to push into some of these communities in the interior and the north because of the the potential customer base? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, organized crime, regardless of which group it is, is going to go wherever they can make money. And you can make money across this province, unfortunately. And as we know, there are a lot of people suffering from the toxic drug supply. A lot of people have died mm-hmm. uh, in recent years. But that doesn't seem to matter to the people at the top that are making money off of the suffering of others. Where where, where do you think law enforcement, uh, fail is probably not the right word, but at least where it's challenged in regards to making a greater dent with organizations like this? 
Well, I think that, you know, from what I've seen covering a lot of court cases over the years, whether they're kind of conspiracy to commit murder cases involving organized crime or big drug cases involving organized crime, some of which have involved the health angels, they are very challenging investigations and in that they take a huge number of resources uh, to do kind of a long-term look at something uh, that they believe an organized crime group is doing. Uh, you know, in the past, they've used agents, uh, people that sort of pretend they want to get into the health angels program. Uh, we had the case of Michael Plant uh, 20 years ago, where he infiltrated uh, the East End chapter of the Hells Angels on behalf of the police. It ended up being a successful investigation. I think more than a dozen people were convicted. Uh, but it went on for a long time, years really, and it was very expensive and it took a lot of resources. So I think sometimes uh, police take, uh, you know, the lower level cases, if you will, because they're quicker, it's easier to collect the evidence, number one, and they're quicker uh, to go through the courts, number two. But, you know, I think a lot of people would like to see uh, the top players in organized crime, whether it be the Hells Angels or any other group, uh, you know, targeted by law enforcement and successfully prosecuted for wrongdoing. So do you think if we had greater resources or is it perhaps our balkanized policing structure that gets in the way of that or is it just a lack of political will and, and, and budgets? Well, I think they always have to prioritize what they're going to do, right? And, uh, you know, we don't ever kind of sit back and look at the overview when it comes to policing and also to the judiciary, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, right now people are very, very concerned about what's happening in the downtown east side of Vancouver and with chronic offenders and repeat offenders and perfectly understandable, right? But, you know, when resources then go to one thing because that's uh, what the public is most concerned about, they're taken away from somewhere else, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure people necessarily understand that whether it's uh, police resources or prosecutor resources, you know, there is a finite number. uh, And, uh, you know, when they're allocated somewhere, they're sometimes taken away from other investigations that perhaps are more challenging or long-term. Kim, let's touch on those clubhouse seizures that you were mentioning at the beginning of our conversation. Um, In regards to the loss of those clubhouses, uh, how important are they in regards to, A, the impact on, on, on the angels themselves uh, and the psyche of the, of the club and in regards to how much of an impact do you think this will actually have on weakening them? Well, I think it's a huge symbolic victory for the government because they're saying that they believe that, you know, crimes were planned and orchestrated from these clubhouses and that if they were to remain in the hands of the Hells Angels, that would continue to happen. The court has now agreed with them, the highest court in the province. Of course, as I said, we may, you know, still see an appeal or leave to appeal at the Supreme Court of Canada level. Uh, But for now, these clubhouses are in the hands of the B.C. government. There still are four more that are owned by different Hells Angels chapters. But three of the other chapters are now renting uh, different buildings around the Lower Mainland. So, you know, something that might be because uh, this case had been going on for so long and they didn't want other clubhouses to be targeted. Uh, So it is changing the potentially this is the reason that some of the behavior of the club has changed. These clubhouses are significant in that they meet there weekly. They hold events there. Uh, They have anniversary parties there. There was supposed to be um, what is known as the screwy ride to pay tribute to a former member or a dead member named Dave uh, Schultz. And that was supposed to leave 
next month from the East End Clubhouse. Well, now they have to leave from somewhere else because they no longer have that clubhouse. So, you know, I think at the very least, it's a symbolic uh, victory for the government. But, you know, it's also $3 million worth of real estate uh, in Kelowna in a prime location right beside an area that's about to be redeveloped on the lake uh, in East Vancouver and in Nanaimo. Uh, In Nanaimo, which Mm -hmm. is where this civil forfeiture case began back in 2007, uh, the Hells Angels have already, um, you know, they have uh, purchased two neighbouring houses. So they kind of all have another place right beside the original clubhouse. Uh, So we'll see what happens uh, with those properties in the coming years. Uh, in regards to uh, other properties, at the beginning of our conversation, we talked about uh, you know a membership of three thousand and four hundred and sixty-seven charters in fifty-nine countries. Where do the Hell's Angels in British Columbia stand today in regards to power, in regards to influence, in regards to uh, the size and structure of of their um, organization uh, compared to others uh, in North America or Europe? Well, I think the BC Hell's Angels have been considered one of the um, one of the wealthiest uh, groups of Hells Angels uh, across Canada and across North America. Uh, Certainly we've seen law enforcement go after Hells Angels and other outlaw motorcycle gangs in the United States uh, for a longer period of time than they have here in BC. Until 2001, I mean, this club, uh, you know, came into BC or other um, motorcycle clubs patched over to the Hells Angels in 1983, uh, July 1983. Uh, But there were no criminal convictions of members of the Hells Angels in BC until 2001. So, mm. you know, I know uh, Rick Carnello, the longtime spokesman, would go on CKNW, and I remember him going on Bill Good and saying, look, none of our members are convicted of any offenses. We feel like the police are targeting, targeting us unfairly. Uh, but it's a really different story now, 22 years later, where we have, you know, dozens of criminal convictions over the years. Mm-hmm. They can't really say that, but they're still powerful. Uh, They're still influential at the international level. Uh, Some of that evidence came out at the civil forfeiture case about how they go to these world meetings, these national meetings. Um, But definitely the Hells Angels uh, in B.C. are considered some of the wealthiest and uh, most powerful in Canada. Well, uh, I really appreciate the article you wrote. A good read. Highly recommend it to our listeners. It's in today's Vancouver Sun. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. Have a wonderful weekend. You too, Jess. Anytime.